It's just one thing that I don't like. When I get into the car and it's, it's a little bit of a long drive, turn on the radio. You know, you just want to listen to that favorite station. And you turn it on and it's their annual fundraiser. Yeah. I don't know what you thought you were coming to church for today, but yeah, this is the time year we talk about money. All right? Okay. Great. You're thinking, okay, fine. But you know, I, I, it, is, it is kind of a problem. Like when you show up to Dylan's and you're just going there to shop, right? Or, or maybe it's Sam's Club and there's just this people, they're milling around the entrance of the church. They're grabbing everyone they can to talk to because, yep, they're selling stuff. They want a donation, you know, and I am not opposed to buying popcorn from the Boy Scouts. I have bought a lot of cookies from the Girl Scouts, and I've been known to put a few dollars in a fireman's boot at Walmart, and yeah, there's a red kettle out at Christmas time for Salvation Army, I'll put some money in there too. But I'm just going to be honest with you, that kind of giving I'm not at my best, all right? It's usually out of two motivations. It's either guilt or the feel-goods. You know, you're standing in front of a child asking you for money. You're not going to tell this little person, I don't have money. You know, you, we have money, okay? And, and they take credit cards now, too, so you can't even get out. I don't have any cash on me. I forgot, left my checkbook at home. Oh, no, no, we take credit cards now. Oh, that's great. And, and so, you know, you, you've got that moment that you really have no good reason not to give other than you just don't want to, and that sounds bad, okay? So you don't want this little person to think you care more about money than their projects and, and their lives, and so you pony up, you know? And, and then the other motivation is the feel-goods. It's like, you know, I, I feel like a really good person when I do that. You know, I must, I must be a decent human being, must be a very generous person. Look at me. I put $5 in the uh, Salvation Army kettle there. Yeah. And so you got those two motivations swirling around in your mind, and, and, or maybe it's just my mind. And, and I know not, neither of those are good. I mean, the whole thing is just out of an impulse. There's no real thought behind it, no no. From the heart, no change of heart. And, and I know we're, we're not going to get rid of this kind of, you know, thing in society where people are going to be asking for money and there you're put on the spot and yet you need to make a decision. I'm just saying that it's just not the way that generosity and giving of, to God has been designed or it is the best. And so today, on this Sunday, we're going to talk about giving an offering that is pleasing to God. Don't worry, at the end of this, we're not going to ask to fund a special project. Don't worry, we're, we're not going to announce a new capital campaign starts this Sunday. We're, we're not even going to mention the budget. Uh, this is not about that. It's about, well, why do we give at all in the first place? And so we're going to go to the very first recorded time that an offering was given to God. And there, two brothers, been working hard, and now they've got something to give to God. And so they do. Interesting how offerings were given back then. They were not collected and then used by anyone. They were burnt up completely. And so the, the offerings were were presented to God, but only one brother received a pleasing thumbs up 
You're accepted from God, and, and that was Abel, but Cain did not. Well, why was that? Well, did one just bring a whole lot more than the other, you know, and God's into quantity? Nope. It had nothing to do with the amount. It had everything to do with the quality. If you look in the text, it very clearly says that Abel brought the firstborn, the fat portions, the good stuff. Now, if you have raised animals, you know that nothing is instant. It takes a long time for a sheep to, you know, have her lamb. A lot can go wrong in the meantime, and then that lamb needs to come to a certain age, and then you can bring it to God. There's a, there's a whole long uh, deferred uh, gratitude for the farmer or the rancher, and so you then, if you're going to give your firstborn, you have to wait till the next season before you can have any benefit from that sheep. So you get the idea that this, this was not just the expense, but the time and the delay that it takes to give this offering. Now Cain, he brought in an adequate amount, but just some of the grain that he had, perhaps even from the previous year's harvest. There's nothing special about it. You have to bring an offering, I brought an offering, here it is. And from this encounter that one was accepted and one was not, we learn our very first teaching point about giving an acceptable offering, and that is quality matters. We give what is of highest honor to that which we honor the highest. There's just something about the quality, the value of what we're giving and what we're doing for God, it, it does make a difference. And we kind of intuitively know this. Let's just bring it more into a modern uh, day example. So it's summertime. The kids are playing on the driveway. They're riding their bikes up and down. They're kind of racing each other up and down so you can go the fastest. Now, your old beater car is out there, too, on the driveway. And, yep, they run into the car. Ah, and down on the ground, and you run over to see if they're okay. Oh, what happened, you know? Okay, let's take the same scenario now. Kids are going up and down the driveway, but it's not your beater car. It's your brand new one you just bought. And they run into it. And you rush over to see if the car is okay. Because where your treasure is, there's your heart. It's just something about, the, some, if something has quality, if something has value, it means something to us as opposed to just the beater, uh, the whatever I had on hand. And so as we go back to then our story of Cain and Abel, we find then our second teaching point about giving a, a gift that pleases God is that the gift receiver determines the quality. See, Cain and Abel both thought that they had an offering that would please God. And, and to them it was, yes, it is acceptable, but they don't get to decide. It is God. And God decides our gifts. In fact, just in general, receivers decide the gift. Why? I'd like to show this couple up here, and they're madly in love. They've been dating now for about a year, and it's time. He, the the uh, fiancé here, he realizes he needs to ask this woman to be his wife before she gets away. You know? So he makes a big, elaborate plan of how he's going to ask her to be his wife. And Yeah, he goes out and gets a ring, and 
He spent 800, oh, wait a minute, I didn't tell you about him. Not only is he handsome, look at this guy, and not only is he a good guy, he's funny, and he's also rich, really rich. I mean, we're, we're not talking Bill Gates rich, but, you know, in that ballpark, okay? So, so he makes all these elaborate plans to pop the question. He goes out and he buys an $850 ring. It's got a little one-eighth of a carat diamond. Is it there? Yes. And a, a little thin gold band. Now, what is she going to think? What is, how is she going to feel when she receives this ring? Yeah. And so the big moment finally comes. All the plans just come together beautifully. And there he's on his knee and he, will you be my wife? And he's got that ring in his hand. And when she sees the ring, what's her reaction? But she laughs hysterically, right? Because he's such a kidder, right? This is, this is the prank ring and he's going to pull out the two carat diamond ring pretty soon, you know, and it, but he didn't. And so the, the laughter turns into a confusion, right? It's like, what's, what's going on? And then he's serious, you know, this, this is the ring. And, and so inside, something dies, you know. It's inside, she, the, there's, there's an offense, there's a hurt. As she, as she exclaims, well, what, what, really? And, and, and what, what were you thinking, you know? And, and so an argument ensues. Like, well, what do you mean, what am I thinking? What difference does it make what I pay for a ring? It's the heart that matters. Yeah. <laughs> now, there is a truth to that, right? It, the heart does matter. But, and there's an $850 ring could be a quality gift if you were a, a say, any less college student had to go get a, a job at the Seward Bowling Alley so you could earn that money to, to buy that ring for your beloved. But, but if you've got the means, is that an acceptable gift? Well, who decides it? She does. And you don't have to be a gold digger to realize $850 ring from a very rich person does not really display what you think about me the value of our relationship because that's what a gift and an offering is meant to do. This gives a tangible of what my heart is saying, of how important and how, you know, you are to me. This is it. And so as we take this into our offerings with God, we, we see that you know, the third teaching point is that the giver decides how much you're going to give. You're not to be guilted into anything. If it's an $850 ring, then that's what it is. You decide. But as you're deciding as a giver of what you're going to give, you keep in mind some other facts, like the ability to give, of what you have available to you, and that the receiver is the one who decides its acceptability. And that what you're giving is, yes, from the heart, but it is a tangible of here's how important the relationship is. So how much, what kind of quality of gift should we bring to God? You get to decide. 
You look at what you have. You look at your relationship. Whether it's big or small, whether it's there or not, it it says something about your heart before God. Now, as you really let that sink in, it's like, oh, man, that is a burden to realize what I'm giving to God says something about our relationship. And it can create a lot of guilt or, or a lot of pride or it can create a lot of bad things, just like being confronted at Walmart would you like to give to the Boy Scouts? Okay. Uh, and it, it would not change our hearts. It would, not, it would not do anything in us that is good unless we realize that our God is a gift giver first. See, he is the true rich man in the universe, right? I mean, he owns everything. And so if, if he has that kind of available funds, then... What kind of gifts will he give? Because we are the ones who will then judge whether his gifts to us are acceptable or good. So let's, let's just do a quick list of what God has given and see if it, if it measures up to our standards of acceptability. What's the very first thing that God has given to each one of us but life? You did not exist. Here you are. And because here you are, you will never not exist. You will, where are you going to be in 10 years? Where are you going to be in 100 years? Where are you going to be in 1,000 years? 10 million years. You're going to be somewhere. And God has desired that you, an eternal, unceasing being, would be with Him in blessedness, in joy, in peace, where every tear is dried from your eyes, where you have a new body that does no longer get sick or die, or fade, the old order of things passes away, and He lives with you in center of all that you do. And so that's your eternal destiny. That's the reason you have been given this life, and this gift is amazing. But let's just take the gifts that you have seated here today, and that everyone has pretty nice clothes. And while our bodies may not be functioning as well as they used to, we still got here. And we have our senses, we have our families, we have our home, we have our possessions, and we have one who's watching over all of this so that nothing can be taken from us that will not be ultimately replaced with something that is even better. How are God's gifts measuring up so far? Pretty good, right? I mean, he, yeah, and, and, but he's not even done. What's the most valuable thing that God could give to us but Himself? There on the cross, Jesus offers Himself so that our eternity is not an eternity without Him. An eternity without His love and mercy and grace. But there on the cross, He offers Himself. And there in His resurrection, He offers us a new life. See, these gifts are beyond imagination. And now you decide, are they acceptable? Are they worthy? Because if they are, they really do begin to change your heart and your perspective. The Holy Spirit uses this truth and this reality to shape and form you into someone who's a whole lot more like the gift giver 
And so we find our fourth teaching point is, and final, that life with Jesus forms and informs all of our generosity. Yeah, the amount that you give to the Cancer Society, to Passageways, to Fairmount, the amount that you give to God through your church, it all is formed and informed by this relationship of having received these gifts. And was it acceptable? Is it a relationship now that is the relationship of my life? And now I am going to show tangibly what it is in my offerings. And so you have this opportunity now to think beforehand, you know, that everything that I'm going to be giving has a certain value to me. You know, Certainly the Boy Scouts, certainly Fairmount and Passageways and Embrace and, and Union Rescue. All these things that I give to ha have a certain value and importance to me and to society, and so I give this amount to them. But my big one is for you, Jesus. What is that amount? You get to decide. Take time in prayer to think about what will be acceptable? Amen.